The cosmos, forever forbidding, dark. Man builds things to shelter himself from its mysteries. One of these things is his reality, the conventional wisdom of the masses. But one man lives a different reality. A true reality. He does not shrink from the unknown. He is, therefore, his own shelter, and the shelter for all his fellows. He is Stephen Strange, a doctor and a sorcerer supreme. My name is Conrad, and welcome to the 10th episode of Stranger by the Dozen, a weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, 12 issues at a time. This week, Dr. Strange will go back to the beginning of time with Sisseneg, to the edge of death against Silver Dagger, and high into the sky along with the United Nations as the Defenders fight the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. This week, I'm joined by both my buddy Duncan and my buddy Drew. How's it going, guys? Big 10th episode. Oh, yeah. Real excited. And a quick spoiler to all those listening out there. Uh, in the middle of the episode, Duncan and I will stop fighting when we realize that both of our mothers share the same first name. Yeah, and the reason we're fighting is because, Conrad, you said that we wouldn't have to share a dresser, and we clearly do, and it's not working because I'm super messy, and Drew is, like, way too neat. It's like a Dharma and Greg situation. I keep telling you guys to put a line down the middle of the apartment that neither of you can cross, but you guys are like, no. We ran out of tape halfway. It's It's chaos. (laughs) All right, so a quick reminder, you can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, or any fine podcast app. Give the show a five-star review, and I'll read the review on the air. If you want to read along with the podcast, several of the issues are available on Marvel Unlimited, And all of them can be found in Essential Doctor Strange Volume 2 and 3, Marvel Masterworks Doctor Strange Volume 5, or the Doctor Strange graphic novel, A Separate Reality. The Defenders issues can be found in Essential Defenders Volume 2, or Marvel Masterworks Defenders Volume 2 and 3. This is the big 10th episode of the podcast. It's a milestone of sorts. So we're going to have the first every 10-episode memorial, Strangies, a set of crazy (laughs) awards. At the end of their issues, each of us will state their nominations for the following categories. Favorite writer, favorite artist, favorite storyline, favorite villain, and favorite whatever moments. Will your favorite parts be chosen? We'll find out. So just a quick recap before we start. Uh, Doctor Strange has become Sorcerer Supreme after his mentor, the Ancient One, has become one with the universe. Currently, Doctor Strange is on the hunt for the evil wizard Baron Mordo who has used the powerful Book of, Cagliost- of, of Cagliostro, which allows the user to travel through time without the danger of erasing themselves from the timeline or paradoxes or anything like that. We join our hero as he falls through a time hole. Drew, take it away! Ah, uh, yes. Issue 13 of Mar- Marvel Premiere, featuring Doctor Strange. Uh, published in January of 1980? 74. Ah, right. Uh, with the issue titled Time Doom. Uh, Steve Englehart, author, Frank Brunner, artist, Krusty Bunkers, inkers, Costanza Letters, Brunner Colors, and Roy Thomas, editor. We start at the issue seeing Doctor Strange falling through time. Yeah. And it's more or less a, a uh, reprisal of what happened in the last issue, uh, where he finds the uh, book of uh, Cagliostro, uh, not to be uh, confused with a castle in a Ghibli movie. <laughs> they look similar, though. <laughs> I mean, you know. It is flying several thousand feet over the in, in the air, or Baron Mordo's castle is at least. Yeah. So, 
Uh, Doctor Strange is falling through time, and he sees a figure uh, before him, which turns out to be Baron Mordo. Aha! Yeah, even though Mordo probably left months ago because they're traveling through time, you know, time stuff's messed up. That's basically the answer. Time has no meaning, man. Yeah, for sure. Falling through time to find himself in a time where Cagliostro is being paraded through the streets, being praised and having flowers thrown at him. Yeah, they, so, yeah. B- both both Strange and Mordo sort of jump off the time hole in the time of Cagliostro, where he's this big muckety muck on the streets of Paris. It's good, man. <laughs> and so Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange chooses his moment to uh, approach Cagliostro to warn him about Baron Mordo and his uh, evil intent, only to have him uh, have Cagliostro walk away from him. But then Doctor Strange realizes that maybe Baron Mordo hasn't shown up yet, so he disguises himself as Cagliostro in order to. Uh, dissuade uh, Baron Mordo from attempting to erase Doctor Strange. <laughs> he, he even leaves, like, go wrong. Yeah, he even leaves a, like a note to Clea in one of the books. <laughs> I mean, come on. Man. Yeah, he does some good. Yeah, some good time stuff. It's like, oh, I'll set it up so that when so that when she re- reads the book, she'll see this message from me. It's very Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Yeah, <laughs> like this entire. He sets his watch to remind himself. <laughs> <laughs> so he encounters Baron Mordo. And attempts to dissuade him, but Baron Mordo can see through his disguise and sees that he actually is Doctor Strange in disguise. And they totally have a wizard fight. Nice. Thank yeah. goodness. And he sends like this. Doctor Strange sends out this weird demon to to fight off Baron Mordo, and then uses the uh, Eye of Agamotto to uh, ward him away. But he just somehow disappears. But then, strangely enough, Doctor Strange knocks at the door. Yeah, he knocks in the door for himself. Yeah, as we kind of see time folding in back on itself to like find the his previous conversation happening all over again with the roles reversed. Oh no! <laughs> but then we see yeah, the real Cagliostro appears yeah. and says, he basically says, "Get out of here, Doctor Strange! You suck." I don't want any your <laughs> I don't want any your nonsense, Doctor Strange. Get out of here! And of course, Baramoto or Mordo sees his opening and decides to attack. And of course, Cagliostro is like, "Nah, Mordo, you ain't nothing," and attacks him too. Yeah. And reveals himself yeah. to be Cessnig, which is it's so weird, man. Else. It's like Mission Impossible 2 in here. Yeah, it totally is. It... <laughs> and of course, Cessnig is just Genesis builds backwards. Dude, oh, you blew it. Oh, no. <laughs> That's the reveal. <laughs> I mean, come on. Now, now everyone's going to see gonna see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> and he has, he has his master plan involving the fact that uh, there's only a certain amount of magical power in the universe at any given time. And the more sorcerers there are, the more that magical, magical power is being used. Yeah, it's so tough do- because Sisseneg is, fr- or Sesneg or whatever, he's from the 31st century, like the year 3000. And apparently in the year 3000, everybody's a wizard. <laughs> Which <laughs> seems weird. Everyone who's not a wizard died out by then. I apparently. guess so. So he has, his, he has his plan to go back to the beginning of time to become God. Yeah, Which, man, it's super reasonable. And Doctor Strange sees no other recourse but to follow him back in time to prevent him from doing so. Yeah, which takes us this to uh, like I'm going to be God. Peace out. And yeah. Mordo's like I'm going to help him. Peace out. Also, and Strange and Mordo, is like I'm not going to just like wait here. Yeah, Mordo, Mordo's like really like I'm going to go lick boot, man. I, this is the only recourse. This is the only way I can see this happening. <laughs> yeah, he's doing some good, some good eviling just by by instantly sniveling and cowering up to the most powerful person available. You know. <laughs> <laughs> he understands his role, all right? He he has lost enough matches to know. It's true. That he's, like, underling. Just straight up underling. Yeah. <laughs> um, which brings us to issue 14 from March. 
Uh, Cagliostro, Master of Menace, Conqueror of the Cosmos, Death at the Dawn of Time. Ah. And it, and a tale, once again, uh, titled Cessnig Genesis, which it's like right there, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, that was the big that was the big reveal for it, dude. Uh, it's, it's like a few pages. It's right there. Anyway, <laughs> Steve Englehart, author, Frank Brunner, artist, uh, Dick Giordano, inks, Jake Costanza, G. Ween, letters and colors, and Roy Thomas, editor. I like Dick Giordano. He's got, like, no time. He's like, whatever. Just the one word's good enough. <laughs> yeah. Inks. So we see Doctor Strange uh, traveling back yeah. in time. This issue's hmm? nice. Hey, Drew, I want to say also, it's weird that the cover of this issue calls him Cagliostro when we realized, when we found out that that was just a, uh, a stage name or something. It's very confusing. Yeah, it totally is. I don't know. Sorry, maybe. but I, I interrupted you. So we're falling through time. Falling through time and find ourselves back in the days of old, with like castles in the background and stuff, and seeing like Mordo just absolutely licking boot, just sucking up, brown nose and loot, best of his ability. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like uh, uh, Sisneg is so powerful that, and he's he's sucking up magical energy all around him. So both Mordo and Doctor Strange are basically powerless against him. Like they can't do anything to him, and so they they kind of letting him go through with this plan to be God. They're just sort of both be, being like shoulder angels, like a, or a, a shoulder angel and a shoulder devil, like a consciousness, a conscience and a ego or something with Mordo being super evil and Dr. Strange being super good, you know? Yeah. But, uh, so Cessna gets stopped in this era to base. He's encountered a mammoth concentration of energy and he has to know why, what could possibly be using all this energy. And as a show of his power, he creates a giant dragon in front of a knight or like kind of a dragon. It looks more like a salamander. It's dragony. It doesn't have yeah. wings, though. That's the really <laughs> hard part. And so Doctor Strange, seeing this knight in trouble, decides to do something about it and blinds the dragon so that way it rams right into a cliff and buries itself. <laughs> and so this knight is uh, expressing his gratitude, saying, are, are you Merlin that I've heard so much about? And then this knight reveals himself to be Lancelot. Nice! Yeah. Yeah. And then apparently, uh, whatchamacallit, um... Doctor Strange is pleading for the goodness of humanity, and Mordo is like, "No, man, Lancelot's gonna go to Camelot and like sleep with Guinevere and bring down Camelot. Human humans are bad. You should be evil like me and have Eve your your main henchman." <laughs> <laughs> so then they they travel even further back in time. Yeah. Oh, I think also Sisneg like drains Merlin's magical power like off screen at this point. Yeah, he just like it's like a very like quick thing. Like Doctor Strange is like he's absorbed Merlin's power. Yeah, somehow. they don't really. Yeah, they don't discuss the how, but it's weird. So they travel even further back in time and find themselves in this massive ancient city filled with people doing stuff, lost in sin and degradation. Ah, uh, bummer. Yeah, where where uh, Cessnig has taken on more of a astral form as he gains more power. Yeah, he's starting to become like a big head, basically. Yeah, I know it's just like a floating head in the sky. Oh my god, he's becoming Modok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so this. This this city's full of evil cultists. Yeah, and the and cultists so, like attack Sisneg, who's temporarily human. Yeah, becoming and human form. He's like, like you attack me, like, I am God, and just straight up just blows the city up. And we we find out from the people who are who are survivors of the city, they find out that the city was actually Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh no! <laughs> so then we're off to the third spot. And so uh, once again, Sisneg absorbs all the magic power from that era and continues even further back in time where we stop once again uh in the di age of dinosaurs yeah man 
T-Rexes and Stegosauruses and volcanoes and stuff. It's pretty awesome. Holy heck, we're going to see a magical dinosaur, aren't we? Nah, man. It's even better. It's even better. Oh, man, okay. Yeah. It's In fact, uh, we see a whole bunch of like early half-man, half-apes running away from something. Only to find out they're running away from uh, Shumagorath and his like awesome squid form. Boo! Oh, nice. Boo, Shumagorath! <laughs> <laughs> and so Doctor Strange like begging uh, Cessnig to do something to help these people, that they you know claiming that he is that they are his uh, past, and so he has to do something. Wait, is he gonna drop the comet on Shumagorath? Nah. nah, nah. No. Okay. He just like banishes uh, Shumagorath into another yeah, dimension. He, <laughs> he, he uh, banishes him away for several thousand years, so basically he uh, he banishes him to episode 8 of this podcast. Yeah, pretty much. And So uh, far into the future. Yeah. And it's then super he, far. He restores the, the land from the destruction from whence it came and recreates it to a, a haven, a garden, for the two surviving apes. Oh, uh, that's like an Adam and Eve reference. Yeah, uh, that took me way like too long. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's even like an apple in the foreground. It's yeah, <laughs> awesome. But it's it's weird because there's also like a Demetrodon in there and stuff. There's a weird. It's a weird. I don't know if they were this advanced sort of proto humans in the time when they were dinosaurs. Also, I'm just saying. Yeah, I think they might be mixing their stuff. Well, they're making a Garden of Eden reference here, so eh. Yeah, I guess. So they go even further back in time. Back before the Earth even cooled. Back that before really was, crummy. Yeah, back before there's even stars in the skies. Yeah, they're just sort of floating in the proto-universe, basically. Yeah. And Cisneg is now, his head is transformed and become like sort of a weird oval, like gray alien kind of shape instead yep. of a normal shape. And he's realized that it, this is his purpose, that he is to create the universe, not in his own image, but as it once was. <laughs> Ridiculous. When you remember this, think not of the man called Cessneg, but of the god called Genesis, and then recreates the universe as it was. Wait. Yeah. Wait. Hold on. <laughs> Cessneg's Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> Mind it threw blown, me too. Right? <laughs> that came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so the t- so the two land like on top of uh, some skyscraper in New York on New Year's Day in 1974. Oh! And, and Mordo has had his mind blown. Yeah, he's completely catatonic by yeah. having gone through the uh, remaking of the universe. It seems fair enough. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but, yeah, and that's that's the end of the issue, which... Uh... Yeah. There's a couple of things, there's a couple of key things to know about this issue and this arc in particular. One was that, um, like, Engelhart and Brunner, who were writing it, were worried that they'd get in trouble for um, saying that a supervillain basically created the universe <laughs> and was God. You know, <laughs> so they actually planted a uh, they they made up a fake letter from a fake uh, Texas preacher saying basically like, "Hey, I think this is an interesting story and raises some cool questions about the uh, beginning of the universe, even for me, a preacher guy, to nice. sort of successfully stave off uh, pr- protests." Nice. I've, I've dedicated my life to this religion, but I really like these three comics. I think I mean, you per- know. I think this particular issue of Doctor Strange is pretty rad as a preacher. Also, you are both very handsome comic book creators. <laughs> I think you'd say groovy because it's 1974, but otherwise, basically, yes. <laughs> uh, the other big thing is that for a lot of comic book nerds trying to uh, 
explain why things are, you know, a canon and like why things work the way they work in comic books and stuff, use this um, this instance of the world being completely remade as a way of explaining why things are a bit more regimented and less seat of their pants in like the 70s than they were in the 60s. Like whenever there's a big discrepancy of like, well, like in Fantastic Four number five, this happened, but in Fantastic Four number 250, you said this happened. An official answer could be, well, you know, 1974, the entire Earth was remade, and it was basically remade the same. There's some slight differences. Yeah, sure. That seems (laughs) legit. I just wanted to bring you guys up to speed on uh, the importance of the world being remade in this minor Doctor Strange comic. (laughs) (laughs) So any new inconsistencies from this point forward, they have a whole separate answer that they need to come up with. I mean, honestly, this is not the last time the world will be completely remade from the ground up in Doctor Strange comics. (laughs) There's about, like, 615 more times they're going to do it. I mean, at least, like, five more times. It's not even (laughs) Doctor Strange comics. I mean, like, the recent Battle World arc? Yeah, that totally recreated the universe. Yeah, but, like, for me, it's a a different... Or it's a different scale when, as opposed to an industry-wide crossover thing, it's just, like, May 1974 and Doctor Strange, you know? Anyhow, let's get going. Yeah, takes us to our next (laughs) issue, which is totally a Marvel team-up. From uh, yeah, May nineteen seventy four, uh, issue twenty one of Marvel Team Ups featuring Spider Man and Doctor Strange. Yeah, Marvel Team Ups are pretty fun. Um, we're gonna see a couple more as time goes by, but they're basically a monthly comic where whatever random Marvel character that the public that the editors want to like give a push or like let people know that they've got a new comic coming out or help flagging sales or something. And have them team up with Spider-Man. So Marvel team ups always <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah, well, it's a good it draw, kind of, man. It, it seems kind of yeah. packed at this point, considering that uh, there's a new Doctor Strange series like starting uh, next yeah. month. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the month yeah, after the, this. Yeah, the fact that that that's June. That that this one's in June and then, or in May, and then in June, Doctor Strange number one comes out. Uh, you can see the uh, violence inherent in the system, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Also along these lines, uh, next episode we'll see a Marvel uh, two-in-one, which is the same thing as Marvel team-up, but with uh, the B- Ben Grimm, the Thing from Fantastic Four instead. Ah. So anyway, the Spider and the Sorcerer, uh, Lynn Wine writer, Sal Buscema artist, uh, F. Fakosia and D. Hunt anchors, Glynis Wine colorist, David Hunt letterer, and Roy Thomas editor. Where we in the opening page we see a strange hand holding up the wand of a tomb with Spider-Man and Doctor Strange being reflected in its golden surface. But who is this strange hand belong to? Dude, it's Xandu. It's always Xandu. It's Xandu. (laughs) So we start at this issue with, you know, Spider-Man beating up some street thugs and just smack, talking smack as he does. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he's confronted by old dude in a suit, Xandu! Turns out totally be Xandu and hypnotizes Spider-Man to do his bidding. Yeah, in this case to infiltrate the house of Doctor Strange and take some stuff. Specifically, take the Wand of a Tomb. Well, no, not the not the wand. The uh, the crystal of Cadavius, which we'll oh. use to repower the wand. Right, Ooh, yes. Ooh, it's complicated. <laughs> and, of course, in the, in the Sanctum Sanctorum, we see Doctor Strange in deep meditation and Spider-Man just kind of sneaking around, not so stealthily, knocking <laughs> things over and stuff. I mean, for a dude that like crawls around in ceilings and stuff, he's not very stealthy at this. Good guys don't need to be stealthy, Drew. They can just show up. <laughs> I mean, you figure like crawl around the ceiling or something, but no, he doesn't need Plus any of that. 
Plus, he's mind-controlled, so he's not operating at full spider powers, you know? I mean, of course, this isn't the first time that Doctor Strange and Spider-Man have met, so, you know, Doctor Strange's like, oh, hey, what's up, Spider-Man, my good friend? What's going on? But that's totally not what Spider-Man sees. He sees the Doctor Strange who's, like, threatening and, like, just saying, I'm going to freaking destroy you, man. <laughs> Get out of my home. Don't talk to me or my son ever again. What? I, but, yeah, wizard-spider fight. <laughs> so there's totally a, a Doctor Strange-Spider-Man fight. With, my bet's you know, on the guy who has the powers to turn off people's powers. <laughs> Which, you know, totally You'd think has... so, but no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Spider-Man totally knocks out Doctor Strange. I kind of yeah. call malarkey on that. I think Strange let himself get knocked out because he didn't want to murder a teenager. <laughs> it's definitely like he knows that Spider-Man attacking him is not normal, and so he doesn't want to drop the hammer on Spider-Man. So instead <laughs> he just kind of like, all right, I'll go. I'll let myself get beat up. Yeah, fine. Let's just let's just go with this. Whatever. And we see the real reason why Zandu wants to get the wand of a tomb to bring back uh, his uh, his girlfriend named Melinda, who he accidentally blasted with a spell. Yeah, I just want to say also at this part in the comic, Drew. Yeah. We see what happens when Doctor Strange brainwashes someone so they lose their magical powers, and it's terrible. Oh uh, like, yeah. So, oh geez, so right. like, he's a hobo in the street. Yeah, because. Xandu and uh, and Doctor Strange fought before they fought in an issue we covered, uh, Spider-Man Annual Number Two, back in uh, nineteen six, which is like like in nineteen sixty three or sixty four, I think. Right, that was a long time ago. Yeah, and so apparently for the last ten years or so, Xandu has just been this like bum on the street drinking rot gut or something, <laughs> until suddenly he um just happened to get his memory back, basically. <laughs> And now he's managed to return and like not and recover himself and remember that he had a girlfriend he accidentally blasted with magical power who's been in a death-like sleep since not just he was a young guy, but at least for 10 years since he was brainwashed by Doctor Strange. That is rough. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it's man. not responsible for him to just brainwash these guys and l let them go out on the street, you know? <laughs> I'm just thinking about... all. Almost every episode, he's brainwashed either like one or two people or an entire globe of people. <laughs> well, at least with the globes, when he does the globe, he just makes them forget like the last like thirty minutes or an hour or something. Yeah, but as opposed like this to like dude, this you dude forgot, just, like, wiped oh. completely out. Yeah, instead of making them forget that they used to be evil wizards, which they've spent maybe like the last twenty years doing, you know. He he's the hero of our show, <laughs> like. I did not expect in like a million years that we would be reading comics about Stephen Strange and his adventure of like wiping everyone <laughs> that he comes across. Dude, Obviously, he ruins lives. Just man. the bad guys. He ruins lives. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's got to save the world. He got to break some eggs. You know, <laughs> so he's playing the numbers game. I mean, you brainwash like two, like two or three evil dudes, and you save the rest of the world. That seems like a fair trade to me. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. His body, I mean, his, his absolute body count is way lower than most other superheroes. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> anyway, That's true. So Zandu, now that the you know Spider-Man has completed the task that he set him out to do, Zandu's like saying, okay, uh, well, you're done here, so now I need to kill you. Mm -hmm. Totally messed up. But Doctor Strange appears. <laughs> and, and using the Wandawa tomb, Zandu takes them all into a weird psychic dreamscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he's like young and his eyebrows are totally fearsome. Dude, his eyebrows and his beard, man. 
He could kill yeah. somebody with that beard. <laughs> They're very pointy. Yeah. And so Doctor Strange and Spider-Man go on the attack, realizing what's going on here, only to get blasted uh, by the one to a tomb and then strung up by like marionettes. Yeah, he like dances them around like puppets. Yep. It's very humiliating. But of course, he places Spider-Man's arms up in a position where he could web him right in the face and Spider-Man tries to web him, but he finds out that he actually blasts him with psychic power somehow. Yeah. Hex bolts. Yep. They've been power swapped. Oh, God. Which doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Especially because, so like, it's like Spider-Man can shoot like, you know, magic beams, basically. And Doctor Strange can shoot webs like Spider-Man can? No, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Because, but like okay. Spider- yeah, because Spider-Man doesn't get his web abilities like naturally or through some sort of mystic abilities. Like he's got mechanical web shooters on his wrist. Yeah, it's okay. The idea of Spider-Man having like organic web shooters on his wrist is ridiculous. And I don't know why anybody would ever do that. Oh, I can see that. Like he's got spider powers. Spy- spiders can shoot webs out of their wrists. Dude, they in shoot theory. Out of their butts. It, it's out of their butts. <laughs> It's straight out of their butts. <laughs> I mean, says you, buddy. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not checking. L- listen, but I, I'm, he, I'm specifically they can calling create out the, webs. That's the absolute answer. I'm so specifically like, calling out the the first three, three Spider-Man movies. Jeez. Yeah. Just let them live, Drew. Nah. They know what they did. <laughs> okay. But so these guys change powers and they start beat and they manage to use and since they're they think on their feet and they're heroes. They still managed to beat up uh, uh, Zandu despite being power swapped. Yep. And Doctor Strange gets the Wanda tomb back and tosses it out into the void, so that way it can Zandu can never use it again. He'll get it back later. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so they they return back to to Earth, and Zandu is like, "Well, shit. Now how am I supposed to wake up Melinda? What am I supposed to do now, Strange? You just royally screwed me." And Doctor Strange is like, "Well, you just could have asked, bro. You could have just asked, man. You don't have to. Jeez." <laughs> And so Zandu takes uh, Doctor Strange to Melinda, and Doctor Strange kind of sort of like breaks the bad news to him, saying that she's not in a death-like sleep. She's just dead. Well, she's she's not in a death-like sleep. She's in a sleep-like death. <laughs> <laughs> like she literally, like he he says, like, hey, like it looks like she might be sleeping or something, but nah, she dead, buddy. Yeah, she she's gone, and this just breaks Zandu, which uh. On that uh, happy note, which takes us to our next issue. Hey, there's the uh, Doctor Strange is so is so uh, sad about this. He totally forgets to wipe Xandu's mind at the end of it. Or <laughs> <laughs> <Poor> Strange. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to say that. So this this like set of of fights, like the Strange and Spidey versus Xandu like setup. This is the second time it happens, but it happens like five or six times throughout the heyday of the Marvel Universe, um, including, like, in the terrible Spider-Man, um, like, newspaper comic. They just, it just finished a storyline, like, weeks ago, as we, as we uh, taped this in August of 2016. They just recently finished a Xandu, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man team-up, basically, <laughs> for the Wand of Watsum, in fact. Wow. I don't... I- I think that it's just crazier the fact that that's still being made. Oh, it's 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 real bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've heard horror stories about that that comic about how like they will just write characters and make duplicate characters on accident, so they just combine them and pretend they never existed and stuff. 
Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty shoddy comic. If you guys read read the uh, comics curmudgeon blog, it's got a. It just periodically dips in just to show that Spider Man in the comic is terrible. But whatever. <laughs> hey man, if you want to like do like a short form comic in like four panels, you're you're gonna get something. It's not gonna be great. <laughs> it's like jazz. It's more about the comics you don't make. Ah, that's that's a good statement. Yeah, which at this track record seemed to be all excellent. <laughs> Anyhow, so, uh, Spider-Man will be back fighting Xandu for the Wand of Watum in 1983. We'll cover it on the show. You'll see then. <laughs> so we move on to our next issue. Uh, in June of 1974, Doctor Strange number one. Woo! Brand new series. Yeah, real exciting. Uh, through an orb darkly. By Steve Englehart, writer and Frank Brunner, artist. Uh, Dick Giordano, inks. Jake Costanza, letters. G. Gwine, colors. And Roy Thomas, edits. Starting out in a rainy night in New York as uh, Doctor Strange is in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Realizing that he really hasn't been paying attention to Clay at all. Like, like at all, recently. Yeah, and especially because... With Wong. <laughs> it's especially rough because in a previous episode, he officially made her his apprentice... So he's really got to step it up on that apprenticeship stuff. So Clay is like, it's it's okay. You know, I've been doing some studying on my own. And she does the thing where she pulls a rabbit out of a hat. Yeah. With a, an actual rabbit using magic. It's cool. Yeah. Like says abracadabra and everything. Yeah. And then Dr. Strange and Clea totally do it. <laughs> magic, you mean, right? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I'll just say that uh, the, it, 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 uh, it, it jumps to Doctor Strange banging a gong and the two of them putting their clothes back on. Hey man, you, you got a signal that somehow and banging a gong, it's classy. He specifically tells Wonga's cloak of, of, of levitation needs to be cleaned. I'm just saying. Oh man. <laughs> like, I know he's like, your, you're supposed to be your like manservant, but still, dude, that's not cool. What? Yeah. I mean, he just heard the gong. He knows what's happening. <laughs> I mean, who's gonna... <laughs> His job, he's got a job. The job's, I mean, whatever, you guys. Just a little more tact would be nice. Like, here's a whole bunch of laundry, not just like, here's this one thing. <laughs> so, Doctor Strange and Wan leave the, leave the chamber to and leave Clea by herself and go do whatever it is they go do. Probably some high fives or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Practicing windmill high fives. Yeah. And we it's see a magic a all its own. <laughs> and we see a shadowy figure outside the window that zaps the rabbit that uh, Clay has conjured and makes it giant. Oh no, Knight of the Lepus! And the rabbit jumps through the window of the Sanctum Sanctorum, which allows the Silver Dagger to enter and mesmerize Clea. Oh man, the Silver Dagger. Yeah, and then he totally kicks the crap out of Wong. Yeah. Oh, so I want to t- talk about the Silver Dagger for just a second and to, like, to describe him, right? Yeah, sure. So, he's super buff and has a... Uh, like a sleeveless vest that bears his midriff as well. <laughs> but he's also an old dude. Like, he's bald on the top and has hair on the sides and a big mustache and mutton chops. And wears kind of a kind of a periwinkle, I guess. Like a light purple. Yeah. This is a guy who looks like he's, like, most comfortable when he's wearing, like, a pith helmet. Hunting big game with his, like, fellow dentists. Yeah, but he's, <laughs> but he's dressed as, like, a go-go dancer, basically. Yeah, kind pretty of, much. Kind of a weird mix between a go-go dancer and a character from Mortal Kombat. I mean, like, Mortal Kombat 1. <laughs> I could see it. Yeah. Yeah, and he totally... 
beats the beats up Wong and steals the Eye of Agamotto, Doctor Strange's magic amulet. But in staking the Eye of Agamotto, uh, he has triggered an alarm. Yeah, but even that's no mat. But he came prepared and he counterspells it. Yep. Like Silver Dagger came knowing what he was going to do. He's got all these counterspells. He's got all this knowledge of Doctor Strange's sanctum. It's bad times. This guy is hell-bent for leather. Yep. In this case, to kill Doctor Strange. And he totally sneaks up on Doctor Strange and stabs him right in the back. Uh, with coward! His, with his magic silver dagger. Yeah, it's not just a clever name. Nah. <laughs> it's like, you can have it returned to him, like, you know, just by calling it. And then he yes. takes Clea and he leaves. Yeah, what a jerk. Yeah, right? Yeah, he's he's hypnotized Clea, by the way. He's used crazy eye beams on her. And so Doctor Strange is not dead, even though he totally got stabbed in the back. Yeah, he's dying, though, so he needs the his magic cloak and the Eye of Agamotto to try to find Clea before he expires. Totally. So he goes to his uh, orb to, to conjure the location of Clea and his, uh, and his uh, amulet of Agamotto, only to have the, the orb suddenly the, all the images change to a skull and snakes come out and attack him and pull him into the orb into like kind of a weird Alice in Wonderland spacescape. Yeah, there's like a bunch of mountains and, you know, standard sort of giant planets in the background type stuff. Yeah, but then but there's, also, like a, there's like a caterpillar smoking from a hookah sitting yeah, on top of a mushroom. They go heavy on the strange in Wonderland kind of motif. Yeah, yeah, I think in, in, in one of the books I've read about Marvel history, this was definitely one thing where Either Steve Englehart or Frank Brunner or something had been had been watching the, the Alice in Wonderland movie and was high on acid and decided to put that in the comic, basically. But yeah, so Doctor Strange is trying to figure out if he, you know, if he's dead or not. But our Caterpillar totally tells tells him like, "Oh, you're not dead yet, but if you go back out of the orb, you will die." So you know, best of luck if you do. Yeah, just stay here in the orb of Agamotto forever. It's a good time. Yeah. So Strange just makes a house and he lives there, and that's the end of our podcast. Uh, no. no. <laughs> of course, that takes us to the end of the issue. Yeah. Instead, Doctor Strange flies to the cent- flies begins his journey to the center of the orb, where he'll be able to escape and be able to theoretically fight Silver Dagger. Although he has the conundrum of while he's alive and find the orb, when he returns to his body, he'll be stabbed in the back, a, a, a illness to which there is no cure. So we'll have to figure that out too. Yep. His one weakness. Exactly. Getting stabbed in the back. Yeah. So he'll have to find a way to overcome death as well. And we'll see that in our next set of issues. Hey, so Drew. Yeah. You've been on a couple of these podcast issue or episodes. What do you have for your nominations for the Strangies? So I don't really have a favorite writer or artist, but I do have a favorite storyline, a favorite villain, and a favorite moment. All right. So I would say my favorite storyline is definitely story the storyline where they experience the horrors of an off-brand HP Lovecraft. <laughs> the uh, the attack on Starksboro and then the whole uh, Sh- Shumagorath arc. Yeah, totally. Like nice. seeing them, seeing uh, Starksboro and then Starksboro get attacked by these kind of <laughs> off-brand uh, HP Lovecraft creatures. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Fun. I got a real like. Conan the Barbarian vibe from those comics. <laughs> All right, let's not relitigate this. <laughs> All right, favorite villain, Drew. As for my favorite villain, I know it's not from a Doctor Strange comic at all, but my favorite villain, or villains in this case, is totally skateboard uh, Unit A. 
Oh my gosh, the Hydra <laughs> special attack unit from the Nick Fury stories. <laughs> I'm just what does skateboard unit B have to do? They're the worst. Oh. It's sad. Yeah. And then what's your favorite whatever moment? This is just anything that you think was cool. My favorite whatever moment? I, I was kind of torn between a couple of things. Between uh, Doctor Strange fighting a house. Uh, Good classic Doctor Strange. No, bought that house. Uh, Doctor Strange killing a planet. Mm. <laughs> uh, but it really came down to uh, Doctor Strange confessing his deep love for a hot dog. Yeah, that's a good one, man. He makes love to that hot dog <laughs> on the uh, on the bus ride up to Starksboro. Yep. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's pause the show here so that this just will become a huge, gigantic episode. And faithful listener, we'll be back tomorrow where with Duncan leading the tale of the evil Silver Dagger and a journey to face death itself. Till then, my name is Conrad, and for Duncan and Drew, may the Vishanti guide your path. Nobody!